got your Bibles, you can open them to Second uh, Kings chapter four, verses eight through seventeen. We're gonna pick up where we left off last week. Last week we were looking at the title of the sermon was God provides, God's provision, and we looked at the the woman uh, with the widow, the widow's oil, uh, the widow who was about to lose her child into slavery because she had so many creditors and debtors. And we looked at how God provided for her, and we talked about those dynamics in her life, how God used her faith to provide. He used what she already had, and how she was able to not only come to put prioritize God in her time of need, she sought the man of God out, but only then when God delivered, she also came back to the man of God. She prioritized God on the back end so that she got good wisdom on how to use the very blessing that God had given to her. And so we looked at all those things. But today I want to look at there's a the next passage. A very unique thing happens. Another woman, the Bible records, who has a different situation. And we're also looking at this is Elijah who is. Recently taken over for Elijah. And so he's beginning his walk or his time of being a prophet before God. His, his mentor, we also talked about this, how you can't live off of other people's faith. He had seen Elijah do all these great miracles as he followed him and as he was mentored by him. But Elijah was taken up by God. And now Elijah, Elijah was here and it's time for him to walk out his own faith with the Lord. He's got to walk out his own calling with the Lord. And so we're looking at his life as this as well, because now it's all on him. You know, he's the franchise guy now. He's the man of God. People are coming to him and saying, what can you do here? And in our lives, we talked about how somebody might mentor you. You may be under someone who's a great man or woman of God, but there comes a day when God wants to do something through your life. There comes a day when God says, now, you, it was great when you were a teenager in your early 20s, but now I'm ready for this season for you to be the person that people come to. And you have to be ready to have the relationship and a faith of your own that God can use you. And that's where he finds himself. So let me read verses 8 through 17 if you'll bear with me, and then we will dig into what is happening uh, in her life here. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 8. We got it? We all on the same, same page? You know, sometimes I get it twisted now, so help me. Help me. All right, here we go. Chap- chapter 4, verses, verse 8. It says, Now there came a day when Elijah passed over to Shunem, where there was a prominent woman, and she persuaded him to eat food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat food. She said to her husband, behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God passing by us continually. Please let us make a little walled upper chamber and let us set a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. And it shall be when he comes to us that he can turn in there. One day he came there and turned into the upper chamber and rested. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shumanite. Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. He said to her, say now to, he said to him, say now to her, behold, you have been careful for us with all this care. What can I do for you? 
Would you be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the army? And she answered, I live among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, truly, she has no son and her household and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, at this season next year, you will embrace the son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. The woman conceived and bore a son at that season the next year, as Elisha, as Elisha had said to her. Now, I want to I want to go back up and we're going to start from the top here. But we're talking about God's provision. We're talking about God providing and us looking to him for his provision. In verse eight, he says that there came a day when Elijah passed over to Shunem when there was a prominent woman and she persuaded him to eat food. And so, so often as it was, as often as he passed, she tur- he turned there to eat food. Look at the contrast from where we were last week. Last week, we were talking about a woman who had no husband and a child and was in trouble financially. In the very next passage, we're talking about a woman who has a husband, who has lots of money and no child. Pay attention to that. That's that's, that's key here. And what I think is also important to recognize here, this woman with stuff, she's got resources. She's got stuff. But that doesn't remove her from being a part of God's grace and mercy. So we've got to be careful because we live in a world today sometimes that says poor people deserve God's justice and mercy. If you got something, you're on the wrong. Uh Uh-uh. You deserve to be judged and and criticized. But God's grace, and God doesn't look at people through those lenses. He looks at the heart. Whether you've got a little or a lot, He's looking at your heart. And one of the things that stands out about this woman is, just like the woman last week, she had an issue and right away she said, I need to engage God with this. This woman has a lot of stuff and the first thing she thinks of is, I need to engage God. I perceive that this is a man of God. Let me take my resources and support the work of God. You see here? Both of these women, one in a difficult situation, one in a very comfortable situation, but they both recognize what God is up to or the need for God. And I need to engage with what I have in him. So to us, what I'm saying this morning is, you might be in a season of your life when it's great trouble. You need to engage him. You may be in a season of life when everything is rolling good. And for some of us, that's about to happen because them in tech, income checks, checks, the checks about to come. It's about to be all good in a minute. But that's another, but that's the time to engage God. See, all the time we need to be seeking Him and including Him in our decision making, regardless of our circumstances. And she does that because she what does she do? She recognizes, he's, she goes to her husband, Behold, I perceive that this is a holy man passing by us continually. Please let us make a little walled upper chamber and let us set a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. And it shall be when he comes to us that he can turn in there. Now, think about it. 
that most of the time they live in this time in these little single kind of uh, homes uh, with a flat roof. So she says, "Listen, we got, we got, we got plenty, baby. We 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 got a lot. This man is coming by. He's doing the work of the Lord. Why don't we just build him a little, you know, a little guest house upstairs?" And let's build it out so he can have a place to be when he's traveling. Because you got to think, these, these men of God and these prophets, who were, they were walking on foot between towns. You know, and I'm going to tell you something. We had an opportunity to walk some of that terrain. It, it, it ain't no joke. And I had, on, I had on the most comfortable pair of shoes I could bring. And I was still a little worn out. So it's not just to do it because it's a cute thing to do. It's a real need here. She sees the need. She engages and said, we can do this. We've got the resources. See, when you are aware, when you're, when you're walking in it spiritually and you're looking to see, you know, oftentimes people are like, I don't know what to do, Pastor Hill. I don't know how I can. Man, you pay attention to what God is doing. You look at the move of God. And whether you have a little or a lot, you engage and say, here's my part. We can make what God is doing a little bit better. You know? I can offer up a space that I got. I got an empty room. I got an empty car. I got time on the weekends. I got time during the week. I don't go to work till a certain time. I can see that what can I do to advance what God is doing? Oftentimes, and I'm right in the boat with y'all, we live our lives like, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I don't have time. I don't have time. But the truth of it is, there's some time there. There's some time. Because when trouble comes, there's time. You can believe that. When, when trouble is not there, it's a little bit easier to get It's a little bit harder for me to get up at 6 a.m. like I want to and pray and see God. But when trouble comes, I, I, I'm up at 5, but I have to hit my alarm. I got one more hour before I get with you guys, but I'm going to be up. <laughs> Because I got something to pray for. Because I, I got some things, God, I need to have before you. So I'm saying this. And listen, we all, I'm being real with you. I know it's a struggle for us. Oh, I'm right there with you. But what I want us to take from this passage today is, if we open our eyes spiritually and we look and see, God, what are you up to in my community? What are you up to in my church? What are you up to in my neighborhood where I am, where I live, where I exist? And you look to see where you can play a role. What you have to give. Because God, all of us have something. All of us have something. And that's what she does here. She goes to her husband and says, baby, we can do this. We can do this. He, and so she said in verse 11, one day he came there and turned into the upper chamber and rested. Then he said to Gehazi, Gehazi his servant, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. Now, I want you to hear this. He said to him, say now to her, behold, you have been careful for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Would you be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the army? And she answered, I live among my own people. This woman's reply that I live among my own people expressed her contentment with her lot in life. She was at peace and felt no special need. Now I want you to hear this. Because in our custom, in our society, we have gotten to the place where we kind of, we believe in that, that quid pro quo. Like, listen, now God, I'm going to do this. 
But now, I'm doing this. I'm giving so I can get. I'm going to do this so that you can turn around and do something for me. And we got songs about it. We got everything. All this kind of stuff about it. But that's not the heart that she gives from. And, it's, and, it's, and you can see it because when the man of God does come to her and says, Now listen, you've been too good to us. You know, you done did all this. You done made us comfortable. I'm sure she was feeding him. He's like, what can we do for you? And, and this is a man of God who has influence. He said, can I speak to the king on your behalf? Can I talk to the captain of the army in your behalf? And these were people that he rebuked on the regular. He wasn't even cool with them. But he had influence with them. Which goes to show you that people of God can have influence in secular society if you stand on his principles and you stay in your lane spiritually. If you don't get sucked up into the politics, but you stay in what God has called you to do, God can still give you influence. And listen, if the man of God is before me and say, hey, Dad, what you need me to do? You need me to holler at the president for you? You need a good word with the mayor? I'm like, well, look, man, we do got some issues. We try to get this parking worked out. We, we try to get this done. Can you, can you do your boy a favor? Can you help? Can you look out for your guy? And can I get a picture when you when you go there? Can I come up and take a picture with you? Just, you know, so I can post that on the wall. You know, that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of thing we might do. But this woman, her heart is so pure in this. She's like, listen, I'm content in what I have and who we are. You don't have to do that for me. You don't have to do anything for me. I just want to be a part of what God's doing. I'm just grateful to be able to serve pure of heart. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for a heart that says, I just want to do, I just want to be a part of it. I just want to do what I can to be a part of the move of God. But here's what happens. She does that. And she says, I'm content with who I am. I'm content of where I am. And he said to him in verse uh, 14, so he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, truly, she has no son and her husband is old. Now, I read this and I was like, why the husband got to be old? I mean, why, why, why you got to throw that in there? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's his fault. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, she has no son and her husband is old. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, why we got to throw shade at the man? You know what I'm saying? But, you know, truly, I don't know the whole, I don't know the whole meaning of what that means, you know, or why that's there. But here's one thing that I do pick up in this. You know who, you, do you recognize who it is that's sensitive to what God is doing? Do you know, do you recognize who it is pushing the agenda that we need to do more as a family for, for what God is doing? Do you see who's engaging the prophet? Do you hear the husband's name mentioned? Do you hear him Do you hear him engaging the man of God? You know, he's probably downstairs watching the NFL Sunday ticket. You know what I'm saying? She probably, he's probably caught up in the game and she like, baby, the man of God, oh yeah, don't do whatever, whatever you want to do. That's good. I just want to see the game. You know what I'm saying? And that's why the Bible calls him old. You know what I'm saying? Because he ain't doing what he's supposed to be doing. I don't know. I'm just saying. But the point of it is, to my men here this morning, and to young men who will be husbands one day, bruh, don't let your wife be the one pushing God's agenda by herself. 
Don't, 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 don't let her be the one that perceives what God is doing while you somewhere doing something else. Come on. Maybe I need to move to the maybe I need to come on. Men of God. Don't let don't it's nothing wrong with a woman. I know women tend to perceive more and they are built in a way that sometimes they pick up on things that we don't. Oh, we don't need too much clap. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, guys, we can't be off the map. Guys, we can't be nowhere to be found. What what if the Bible is ever written, if the Bible were ever to mention me in a situation, I don't want to be like this. I want, I want the story to be that, hey, the husband was right there building. He was a big part of it. He was right there with it. And you should too. And a story is being written about my life and yours. That'll be replayed before us all one day. And you're going to want to see, you're going to want to see that, man, I was right there on the front lines. I was aware of what God was doing. And I was leading my family in this, in this, in this role of how we ought to play uh, in what God is doing. Guys, we got to wake up so that we're just not a footnote to the story. That we're just not recognized as being old. Because that's all that can be said about us. Amen? Come on now, stay with me, stay with me. It's going to lighten up, it's going to lighten up. So, but here's what he says. When he called her, or when he, he said, call her, and when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, at this time next year, you will embrace the son. And she said, no, my Lord, O oh man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. I want you to read that, man. Look at that. Because see, here's the thing. Sometimes, Sometimes when you just doing what God has called you to do, you just doing something to be a part of it. You don't even have to make known what's, what your biggest desires are. God already knows. And he says, but you know, you've engaged me in a way that I, I want to do something for you. This woman hadn't even mentioned nothing about a child. But you can best believe that was a burden in her heart. Because to be in this day and age, in this time of history, to be without a child was a great disgrace. To be without a child was, was, was considered tragic. So you knew it was something. But what, I, you know, what you can almost read between the lines is, is something that was so far gone that she had let go of so long ago that even if you were to ask her what she the last thing she was going to say was, give me a child. Because that, that shit was way too gone. That's way, that ain't, that ain't gonna never happen. So I wouldn't even bother asking you for that. And you can tell when the man of God tells her, by this time next year you're gonna have a son, she says, it, if I can translate, don't play with me. It's all going good, man of God. You know, we just doing this. We're not asking for nothing. We, we just wanna be a blessing. It's all good, but don't go messing up, don't go messing up this thing by promising something that we both know can't happen. It's, I'm cool. I'm content. Don't, don't drag me back through that. I went through years trying to believe I was going to have a child and my heart was broken, what? Over and over and over again. And now you're going to bring this up? Let's not just mess this. Let's not mess this up. Let's just, let's just leave it like this. She says, man of God, don't lie to me. Don't do that to me. But he tells her, no, it's, it's true. 
See, sometimes, man, when, when we just trust and walk with God and we serve Him earnestly and we just seek to be a blessing, just seek to do the will that He's called us to do, and I'm not asking for anything, God knows what we desire, and He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And He can do a miraculous work. And something that you've let go of and said, it'll never happen. It'll never happen, and I'm, I'm going to quit asking for it. And I'm going to quit expecting it. And no longer to even desire it. But because of her heart, just like the widow with oil, God did something that seemed impossible. What are we saying this morning? That God can still do things that we think are impossible. He can still do things that you and I think just that is no way. It's just no way. He can redeem any relationship. He can restore any life. He can rebuild any family. He can restore anybody back to where they once were. But if we're going to take something away, this is what we should take away. Faithfulness to him. Putting him first. See, all of these people in this experience would have experienced captivity in Babylon or their descendants. When they would have gone back and reading this story, what they're reading is, these are women who prioritize God first. And God is saying to them, when you put me first, when you keep me where I should be, I can do it. I can do it. You're not lost. Nothing's too lost. Nothing is too lost. So as we look at that for our lives today, I'm telling you, we got to prioritize him first in every area of our lives. And listen to me. That's, when I say that, I'm not talking about coming to church on Sunday, reading your Bible every now and then, and a little prayer. Those are all good. They are a part of the equation. But I'm talking about how you live your life every day. See, we, we can't be double-minded, the Bible calls it. Unstable. Friday night looks a whole lot different than Sunday. Saturday night looks a whole lot different than Sunday. God said, I want to be over all your life. I want to be over all your life. Because I see what's going on over here when you on the back roads kicking it, smoking, sloppy drunk. Mouth perverted and filthy. You're in the room and nobody else is there. What you set before your eyes. How you treat people that wronged you. How you don't include me in those areas of life. And you keep those hidden, but yet you walk before me on Sunday like it's all good. <clears throat> no, I want to be Lord over all of that. Now listen, I'm bringing all that up to say, we all got some of that. We just all got to quit being phony about it. We all got to get real about it. Because you can't fool God. He sees all and knows all. The point is not to impress me or anybody in this room. The point is not to give off some kind of image that people can respect in this room. The point is to keep him first that I may honor him in all things. That I may see him in my life, reflected in my life. And the only way to do that is to give it to him all. Surrender it all. 
So if drinking is your problem, that's got to go. If smoking is your problem, that's got to go. If pornography is your problem, that's got to go. And if you need help, you bring people into your life, bring accountability in your life. You act, you tell somebody, you confess that sin. You say, hey, I need help with this. If getting along with people is your problem, that's got to go. If you can't get along and you treat people in a that's got to go. If you're a horrible neighbor, that's got to go. If you like to fight, that's got to go. I'm saying if we're going to be real about this. If I want the power of God to show up in my life, and listen, in both of these situations, we said it last week, I said this week, we're not talking about a welfare mentality. We're not talking about a give to give. We're not talking about a hustle. We're not talking about a quid pro quo. We're talking about when God does something in your life, supernatural, it changes you. That's what we're talking about. It changes the relationship you have with him. And, and what it says is, it doesn't make me want to, oh God, can you give it to me again? It makes me say, God, I know you more. I'm a different man now. And the next time I face something, I look back at what he did before, and I know he can do it again. Amen. But in order to have that, I've got to have the relationship with him. That's right. And in order to have the relationship with him, sin cannot exist ongoing in my life. Because one thing God makes clear, he's holy and righteous. That's right. Sin, God said, I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't sit in the same room. I can't do that. Okay? So you got two options. You can, you can watch me go. Or you can repent and confess. Invite me in. You see what I'm saying? But you can't. What you can't do is say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna mix this all up together, guy. I'm gonna have, some, I'm gonna have my sin, and I'm gonna have you too." No, you're not. And many of us wonder why our lives look the way they do, De- year after year, month after month, decade after decade, because we're trying to mix. Guys, like I'm not a gumbo. Come on. You can't mix it all up with me. Uh-uh. I got it. I got to have my own. I'm my own ingredient. Amen. Amen. I got I'm my own ingredient. You can't mix me up with everything. And we we determine. I'm not gonna yield, God. I'm not, but I still love this. I still I still like to do this on the side a little bit. God said, listen, you're limiting what I can do in your life. I'm ready to turn loose. I'm ready to give you everything you desire. But you got to surrender all. And a lot of times we feel like if we surrender to God, we're going to lose our freedom. But you won't lose your freedom. You're going to find freedom. You know, many of you know I have, I have two dogs that I walk every day. You know, on my little walk in the morning. And if you've ever seen me, you can notice something distinctly. One dog is on a leash and one dog is not. You know? Now the dog that's on the the dog that's not on the leash has a little bit more freedom. He can walk ahead of me a little bit, he'll even lag behind me a little bit. But he always stays near me. The other dog I have on a leash, why? Won't listen. Now, peaches and peanuts. I didn't name them that day. That's not the names that I picked. But we lost the vote, so we ended up with Peaches and Peanut. Peaches would love to have the freedom that Peanut has. And I know it because I can tell. I walk him every day. 
And every now and then, I say, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some freedom. I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you have what he has. Let her off the leash. Go. Got to chase her all over the neighborhood. Finally, corral her and get her back. She wants the freedom that he has, but she doesn't know how to handle it. She doesn't realize he's got that freedom because he's obedient. He's obedient, thus he has been given freedom to roam because he listens. She has not figured out yet that if I listen to my master, I'll get more freedom. But when I don't listen to my master, I'm more restricted. Teenagers, this is a great lesson for you. I'm telling you. Teenagers and kids, listen. I'm going to just drop this dime on you. If you do what your parents ask you to do, you get more freedom. The more you do what they ask you to do, how they've asked you to do it, the more freedom they can give you. But if you want to be tied to a tree, don't do what they've been at. Don't do what you've been told to do. You get restricted. You get it gets tight. Nobody likes that. So obedience is what gives you the freedom. But even in God, what I'm saying is, when we obey God, the devil tells us, the enemy tells us, you're giving it up, bro. You're missing out, bro. It's Friday night and you at the house, man. They down there kicking it at the corner, man. You, bro, you losing, bro. You're lame. You ain't got it, man. You, you missing out. That's the lie of the enemy. But what you don't realize is when we're obedient to God, man, I'm freer than I've ever been before. Freer than I've ever been before. And I'm open to things that I did not even recognize and see before. That's right. Because I was so busy yanking on the chain, trying to get free. But when I, my eyes opened up and I saw that, man, all I got to do is obey. And God, I'm free. I'm, I'm able to experience this. I'm able to see this differently. All I'm trying to say is don't buy the lie of the enemy that will tell you that, man, the obedience that's required from God is going to make me lose out and miss out on life. It's the, one of the biggest lies he can tell us. And we swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. That if we would just say, God, I'm going to obey, I'm going to obey. Because what you hear, what I learned, the stuff that, got taken, that I thought I was missing out on, I look back over the years, and I'm like, Lord, thank you that I missed out. Thank you. Because if, it, if I had not missed out on it, I promise you, I know my life would look differently than it looks right now. My family would probably look different than it looks right now. My criminal record might even look different than it looks right now. And so I say, even if that's not the case for you, where you are right now, you still, we still... We still you're 30, 40 years old. You made some mistakes. You still got a long way ahead of you. Start now. Because here's what we talked about. God can do the impossible. You might be looking at your life like, man, I done jacked it up pretty bad. God, the man, God gave the woman a child and her man was 90-something years old. He was too old. But God got in that situation and boom, I got a surprise for you, baby. You better sit down. I got some news for you. Let me tell you something. If he can do that, I don't care about how many felonies you got on your record. If he can do that, I don't care if you're a sex offender. 
If he can do that, I don't care how many times you've been in prison. I don't care how many kids you got out of wedlock. I don't care what your situation is. If you turn it over to him, he says, watch me move. Amen. But all I ask is that you surrender and obey. Be about what I'm about. And watch me move in a tremendous way. People, if you'll try him, you won't lose. You can't lose. I can stay here all day and scream this and proclaim it to you. But it's, I'm asking the Lord, I'm going to pray because I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to embed it in our hearts today. Let the Lord surrender to him. Obey him. And watch him move. Let me pray. Father, we thank you today, Lord. There is no God other than you. There is no source that we can go to for the things, Lord, that we need. For the things that seem lost to us. Even so lost, Lord, that we wouldn't even think to ask it anymore because that's gone. I messed that up. There's no redeeming that. That time in my life is gone and it can never be restored. I might as well just move on and make the best of what I got. But God, you clearly show us that if we engage you, if we prioritize you, if we obey you and we serve you, Lord, that's not the case. You can redeem any situation. You can restore any life. You can do your will even when we're taking it off track in our lives. But Father, help us to recognize that and desire that and want to be about the things of you. That we be sensitive, that we perceive that God is doing something and that we make our lives a part of it. That we would serve you we would seek your will without asking anything in return other than that you would redeem us and that your will would be done through us. And so, Father, I lift up these words and I lift up these lives and these hearts that have been broken many times. Decades, we've gone through the hurt. Father, would you show up and do a will, a work? Would you heal the heart? Would you restore the life? Would you give them vision and passion? Would you give them direction? Would you help them find their will in you that this is not a wasted life? This is not a life meant to go uh, on the roadside, but you still have a purpose in your greater kingdom and you want to use us all who proclaim you as Lord. So Father, no matter what our job is, no matter what our title is, whether we have a lot or a little, would you do a work? And may all glory go to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.